in a time where the West is moving away from the Christian values on which it was built, with the culture becoming more and more hostile towards those who refuse to comply, where morality is relegated to a mere preference, it is time to rise up, to stand for biblical truth, and turn our hearts back to God. Time to reorient our lives surrounding God and His Word, to shed His light in a darkening world. This is the Counterculturist Podcast. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Counterculturist Podcast for the second episode. I'm here with my co-host, as always, Karsten Koopman. Hello. Um, and we are ready for the second episode. Thank you so much for all the support on the first episode. We've heard some great feedback, some great criticisms. Um, and yeah, we're excited to get into the second episode. Carson, how'd you feel about the first episode? Felt pretty good. Getting excited for this one. Oh, I'm I'm so excited for this one. Let's I and it leads very nicely from apologetics right into evangelism. So, without further ado, the agenda for today is um, evangelism. The three questions that we're going to answer is what is evangelism, why we do evangelism, and how we do evangelism. And we'll get into. Um, in more detail all those three questions there but before we do karsten has some introductory thoughts karsten if you will i just wanted to open with 2 corinthians 5 verse 20 Uh, it's a good verse on proclaiming the message of the gospel so 2 corinthians 5 verse 20 we are ambassadors for christ as though god were making an appeal through us we beg you on behalf of christ be reconciled to god And so we do this in mind, recognizing that we are Christ's ambassadors. We are meant to proclaim the word of our king in all the earth. He has commanded us because he has all authority in heaven and earth to go into the world, to make disciples, to baptize, and to teach his commandments. That is the great commission of Matthew 28, the role of Christ's emissaries here in this world. Uh, Max Stiles, who we used many points from his book in this research of this episode points out that ambassadors exist that their sole purpose is to deliver messages accurately regardless of any discomfort produced effort required and shame endured so some might ask well how are we to do this and well we'll look into that in later parts of this episode i just want to provide a basic understanding from the apostle paul in 1 timothy 1 verse 15 Um, where he says, This is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Alrighty, so I think that leads right into the first question to what is evangelism? And Karsten um, has some quotes, but I will start off with Mac Stiles' quote on, or his definition on evangelism. His definition is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Um, And we'll get into that a little bit, but J.I. Packer also has a quote on that, which Karsten will get into right now. 
Yeah, so J.I. Packer defines evangelism as presenting Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit to sinful people in order that they may come to put their trust in God through him to receive him as their savior and serve him as their king in the fellowship of his church. Okay, and that that kind of expands on Max Stiles's definition of evangelism and uh, just as a definition to the gospel as well, uh, Max Stiles gives this definition as well. The gospel is the joyful message from God that leads us to salvation, which, as uh, J.I. Packer says, is how man is sinful and how Jesus saves us from that. Um, Carson, I don't know, uh, do we want to get into evangelism versus apologetics, or do you have anything else to say? Yeah, we can get into apologetics and evangelism, because the two are very closely linked. Um, and there, you'll find there's a lot of overlap when discussing these two, two topics. But, um, yeah, R.C. Sproul, in his book Defending Your Faith, which is an introduction to apologetics, gives some helpful, um, some helpful guidelines, and he distinguishes three elements that take place in what he calls pre-evangelism. Um, so the three are their Latin phrases, um, notitia, which means information, a census, which means proposal, and fiducia, um, which means confidence. Um, so I don't know if you want to go into that a little more or... Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, he defines this as what is saving faith, and he also relates that to pre-evangelism, as Carson said. So the notitia is the data or the content of what we believe, right? So um, the basic truths like Jesus is God, the resurrection, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's a pretty good definition, you think? Yeah, the phrase literally means information. Yeah. Um, so this means that there is vital information that we must know and bring to unbelievers that is essential to Christianity. And so the first step is them actually knowing what the Bible says. Now, the second part being a census. Just before we move on there, so some of these... Okay. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, yeah, so they must un understand the information. Um, information such as the existence of God, what sin is, that they are sinners... Um, in that their sin puts them at enmity with God, and that God is just and will punish sin, but also that God is merciful towards sinners, and that he sent his son Jesus Christ to take their place. Which, yeah, that's the information. Mm -hmm. um, but before we can actually call people to saving faith, we have to give them the information, which was just mentioned, that they're asked to believe, and that leads into the second element of a census. Okay, and a census means, uh, or what R.C. Sproul says is intellectual assent, um, which is basically, to sum it up, actually believing what... Um, believing it to be true. Yes, believing these things to be true. Um, and Karshan, if you want to get into that a little bit. Yeah, so... It means proposal, so you're 
putting forward, you put forward the information already and you're asking them to accept them as facts or if they accept them as facts. Um, it must be noted that these first two steps are the only steps we can do in what R.C. Sproul calls the apologetic task. Um, in that we can bring the information, we can ask them if they believe it and affirm it as true, um, but that doesn't necessarily bring forth saving faith. Um, in scripture, it teaches us that even the demons know who Christ is, yet they aren't saved. Um, which leads into the third element being fiducia or confidence. Um, so this is this element we cannot fulfill. Um, but this is the element that's required for saving faith. Um, Sproul puts it as a personal trust and reliance, that aspect of faith that involves genuine affection for Christ that flows out of a new heart and a new mind. And this is only accomplished by the work of the Spirit. Um, it is the sole work of the Spirit and of God. Um, yeah, and so a good verse to use, we mentioned it last episode, is 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 and 7. Um, I, that is Paul, planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so we really want to stress, especially with both apologetics and evangelism, right? We can only do what R.C. Sproul calls uh, pre-evangelism, right? We can present the gospel and we can show them, show them that it is true. But when it comes to them actually believing and having a saving faith, as R.C. Sproul puts it, um, we just need to get out of the way when it comes to that. Um, because we will not be able to provide them with a saving faith. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I think it's helpful here to draw a line between evangelism and apologetics. Karsten, if you want to get into that. Yeah, so I have a quote from R.C. Sproul that says, Apologetics serves a vital task at the level of clarifying the content of Christianity and defending its truth. This cannot cause faith, but it has a vital role in supporting the necessary ingredients of faith. Um, these ingredients are brought forth through evangelism. Um, evangelism is the con bringing the content of Christianity to unbelievers. Well, apologetics merely clarifies and defends its truth. So that, so evangelism, we can, it's not specifically notitia, but mostly it is in the notitia or the data or the content of the faith. And then apologetics comes more to defending those statements and clarifying what they actually mean. Well, and this brings us back to, again, well, what is... We're back at what is evangelism. Um, well, evangelism has to start with our biblical foundations. Mm -hmm. um, Max Stiles and his evangelism is teaching the gospel with an aim to persuade. Mm -hmm. um, so many, many people today want instant results and use methods such as altar calls and other compromising tactics to get people in the doors of their churches um, or to come to what they see as faith. Um, but that brings us into the persuasion side. Um, 
Our persuasion is not to be manipulative, as is the practice of many now, and even in the Apostle Paul's day. Um, he writes in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 1 and 2, Therefore, since we have this ministry as we received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Yeah, and um, an important thing that I think Max Stiles brings up in his books, he says, results do not guide slash justify your evangelistic practices, right? And he gets into this throughout the book, but I think that's important, right? You're not going to get a conversion in the first time. Well, you might, but um, your results do not justify whether or not you're properly doing evangelism. That is based on what you present and how you present it. Um, Carson, I see you have your Bible open, so I'm sure you have something to say. Yeah, so I'll get to the verse I have pulled up here in a second. But um, yeah, we must look to the biblical foundations to shape, guard, and inform how we share our faith. We must be very careful to conform our evangelistic practice to the Bible because this honors God. So what does this look like? Well, our evangelism is to be controlled by the love of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.14. Um, not falsifying or adulterating the word of God, rather committed and convincing by the truth and the wisdom of God, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, and 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18 to 31. Showing confidence in the gospel, Romans 1, 16. Trusting that God will work and do the growing, Acts 2, 47, and 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6 and 7. And encouraging and modeling evangelism, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2. Um, yeah, that's a lot of verses, but if you look them up, it shows all of those things I just mentioned. Um, and yeah, I just want to read another verse from 2 Corinthians. Uh, it's great in understanding evangelism. Um, so chapter 5, verse 11. Um, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we are per- we persuade men. Um, so here, that's another reason why we do our evangelism, because we know the fear of the Lord. Um, and so... Yeah, the rest of the verse, but we are made manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciences. Um, are, do you have anything left to say for what is evangelism? And if not, we can just move on to why do we do evangelism? We can just move on on what, why we do it. I think before that, though, we're going to take a little break, as we do, um, have some coffee, discuss a little bit. Um, So yeah, we'll see you in about five seconds. And we're back for the second part, which is why we do evangelism. And the simple answer to that question is because we are commanded to in the Great Commission, which is Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And I will read that right now. Starting at verse 16, but the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus has designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit 
teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in verse 19 there, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That is the command. Yeah, and so Donald Whitney in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, says that godliness requires that we discipline ourselves in the practice of evangelism. So in other words, it is expected. It is, there's no other option. We are called by Christ himself in this great commission to evangelize and make disciples and teach. Uh, And yeah, and just a little bit more on uh, the task of evangelism. Uh, R.C. Sproul in his his talk on the divine initiative, he, he emphasizes that, well, we are, we are not just sick people. We are completely dead in our sins. And the only way that we are saved, like we've been saying earlier, is through God alone. But again, the purpose of evangelism and why we do it, Jesus commands us to do so. Evangelism is the means by which people call him to himself. Without us doing evangelism, people will not hear about the word of God. But that doesn't mean that God needs us. It's a privilege to do so. So Jesus commands us. So he says evangelism is two things. First of all, it is a duty and a responsibility that we are commanded to do that we must do. But it is also an immense privilege that we can do these things. God allows us to be part of a significant cause. Romans 10 verse 11 says, Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So this is the greatest cause that we can be put to. Gathering the kingdom and building the kingdom, that's something that is, like R.C. Sproul says, an immense privilege. Um, And yeah, whoever calls on him shall be saved. But the only way you can call upon him is to first trust and believe in him. Only way we can do that is by hearing him, which is only done by a preacher and an evangelist. And so the main reason we don't evangelize is because of fear. Um, we fear failure. We fear men. We, f- we fear the, the outcome for our actions, um, the discomfort, the pressure, and even the shame that saying these things in such a ungodly world um, would bring on us. Um, however, the real fear should be in the seri- seriousness of our call to evangelize. Um, when we are talking about Christ, heaven and hell are at stake. A person's soul is at stake. Um, so this reminds me of a quote from Charles Spurgeon where he says, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. And just to counteract this fear a little bit, Donald Whitney also points out that to share the gospel is to be successful in evangelism. We are not responsible for the response of the person we are evangelizing. And we mentioned that earlier, that this third element of saving faith, this fiducia, is a work of the Spirit, a a work of God alone. Um, And so 
with the sovereignty of God in mind, um, we ask the question, well, if God is sovereign, why do we even evangelize? If he's just going to save all those he elected, why, why do we even bother bringing the gospel? And, well, you mentioned it, Brett, that um, faith comes through hearing the word. Um, and yeah, evangelism is not merely teaching general truths about God's existence, um, but it is to present Jesus Christ and who he is, uh, making reference to his saving work through his death on the cross and resurrection. Um, so evangelism must include this call to trust in God, to repent from sin and to believe in Christ. So it is faith as well as repentance. Um, um, and just to go back to your point about uh, seeing people f- for who they really are, Max Stiles also brings up a great point. And we want to build a culture of evangelism where as the church, we understand who we are as people and we understand the difference between the people of God and the people who are outside of the church, lost and condemned to hell, right? We need to understand the seriousness of this calling, as Karsten was saying. Sorry, go ahead, Karsten. Well, and this ties in nicely to what I was about to say. Um, So J.I. Packer in his book Evangelism and the Sovereignty of God points out two main motives um, that influence why we evangelize. So the first one is to, um, is because of the love of God with concern for his glory, um, which brings to mind um, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14, where it says, For the love of Christ controls us, having, con- having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Um, so 1 Corinthians 10 also exclaims that we are to do all to the glory of God. Um, the Reformed confession of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question one says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, So, and as mentioned earlier, Christ commands us to evangelize in the Great Commission. Um, And obeying this commandment is proof that we love God, um, John 14, 21. Um, So evangelizing tells others about God's good work, and God is glorified in that. Um, so you can look to Psalm 96, verse 2 and 3 for scripture proof of that. Um, so, yeah, evangelism is done out of love for God and for his glory. And the second motive Packer brings up is because of our love love of man, our, of our fellow man, and concern for his well-being. Um, so we wish to see others saved. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. And we are to desire the good of our neighbor. Um, Something that reminded me of this was an atheist once said that if we have the truth or if we claim to know the truth, but we don't evangelize, we don't proselytize, then do we really love our neighbor, those around us? We truly love them if we aren't willing to bring them the truth. And the example he used, I believe this man's name is Jen Paulette um, or Penn Gillette. <laughs> um, nice. We're we're great with names here. <laughs> yeah, I'm awful with names. But he the example he used was on of a truck coming down barreling towards somebody. He says at some point I'm going to step in and push them out of the way. And he applies that to heaven and hell. He said if heaven and hell are real, it's as if that truck is heading towards us. And if you have the truth that 
that truck is coming and I don't see it and you don't do anything about it, how loving is that really? Um, yeah, and I, I love that you brought up that point because in today's culture, um, we, we see that like people, when we try to evangelize to them, they say, well, we, we think of things like, well, you just are hateful people, right? You just want to tell people how to live. And we should just be more loving towards other people. Well, in reality, this is the most loving thing that we can do for a non-believer. If we have the truth, as Carson says, and we keep it inside of ourselves, that 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 is being hateful towards our neighbors. Showing them the truth, showing them that they are in their sins, that is the most loving thing that we can do as Christians. And now you might be thinking, but uh, Brett, uh, Karsten, but you asserted that God is sovereign. So, yeah, you're showing that we have to do this because Christ commands it. But what is the point if God's going to bring his elect to himself? Um, well, you're in luck because J.I. Packer in his book addresses this. He answers the question, well, what about God's sovereignty? Um, so he says, the sovereignty of God in grace does not affect anything of the nature and of the duty of our evangelism. And so, yes, God elects and draws people to himself, but those chosen are part of God's hidden will. So we don't know who these people are. Yet the call to evangelize through the Great Commission and other passages in Scripture is part of his revealed will. It's in Scripture. He revealed it to us. So we are commanded to evangelize, and we do so freely. Um, in other words, Packer states that the belief that God is sovereign in grace does not affect the necessity of evangelism. Um, yeah, so Romans ten seventeen says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Um, so everyone needs to hear the gospel. Um, and as my pastor said, there is no quota that limits how many people you can promise salvation if they believe. Um, yeah, and I have a quote from the same book, uh, The Sovereignty of God. Um, in evangelism um, by J.I. Packer and it says were it not for the sovereign grace of God evangelism would be the most futile and useless enterprise that the world has ever seen and there would be no more complete waste of time under the sun than to preach the gospel so the sovereignty of God doesn't disqualify evangelism in fact it makes it reasonable and it the sovereign like he says the sovereign grace of god without that it would be the most futile and useless enterprise that the world has ever seen so evangelism requires the sovereignty of god and yeah packer goes on to say that the the belief that god is sovereign in grace does not affect the urgency of evangelism we touched on that a little bit and your point applies well to that um, and he goes on to say that God's sovereignty and grace gives us our only hope of success in evangelism. Without God and his sovereignty, we cannot be successful, as it were, in our evangelism. And so just because we don't know who the elect are does not give us an excuse to not bring the gospel to the unbelieving. Since we don't know who is elect and who isn't, and we know that Romans 10 says faith comes through hearing, why are we not out in the streets more bringing the good news of the gospel to as many unbelievers as we can? And we should, like we were saying earlier, we should assume everyone is lost. 
we'd rather be over explaining the gospel and, and spreading it too much in air quotes um, than to be not spreading it enough, right? By if we are the way that somebody that God uses in order to save somebody, that's an immense privilege. Yeah, and that just reminds me there, um, your last point about assuming everyone's not saved. Um, it reminds me of a question someone asked me, I forget who, um, a number of years ago, and they said, how often do you view people as individual souls? And I really thought to myself, every time I'm sitting in the mall, um, pre-COVID, of course, um, <laughs> and you're in the food court and you look around and people are getting their lunch or getting their groceries or whatever they're doing, and there's hundreds of people you come into contact with in a day. And how often do you think that that person has an eternal, an eternal soul destined for heaven or for hell? And that really just put, put perspective back on the urgency um, and the seriousness of our call to evangelism. Um, given that, yeah, you acknowledge that everyone has a soul and they all have an eternal destination. Um, and not knowing what that is, what, what are we going to do about that? Absolutely. And just as a closing thought for this section, um, I want to point to a quote by R.C. Sproul about evangelism. Um, He says, evangelism is the highest privilege God can give us. Well, that leads to the question, how do we apply this privilege to everyday life? (laughs) Wow. Carson, it just so happens that that's our third point. Um, yeah. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, well, continue. <laughs> moving on. I think that something we want to consider before we get into how we actually do it, there's a difference between one-time encounters with people and relationships that we continually build with. You know, the strategies basically the same what it comes down to is how much time you have to expand um expand clarify defend where apologetics kind of comes in um whereas you meet someone on the street you may only have 30 seconds with them what are you going to say to them in 30 seconds whereas if you have a good friend or a relative that doesn't believe in christ you usually have more opportunities to bring the gospel to them Yeah, and I think that provides a great opportunity to provide Christian hospitality as well, right? That's something that very hard hard at these times, right? Just because of COVID and all that. But yeah, providing hospitality, inviting people over for supper, that builds relationships with them. And um, I had a metric from max styles book 43 percent of young individuals aged 18 to 21 um, were converted uh, by people that they already knew yeah and as far as one-time encounters go um, ray comfort from living waters ministries is a good example of how do you best utilize a short amount of time with someone um, you should look him up on YouTube. Great guy. He's also, he's also got a pretty cool accent. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> um, but he follows the general format that we were taught in that 
our Heidelberg Catechism follows, and even the Book of Romans itself. Um, so I just want to read Lord's Day 1 from the Heidelberg Catechism um, as it explains these three necessary elements. Um, so Lord's Day 1, question 1. What is your only comfort in life and in death? Answer, that I am with body and soul, both in life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who with his precious blood has fully satisfied for all my sins and delivered me from all the power of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Yes, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. And question two is, how many things are necessary for to know that you, in this comfort, may live and die happily? So the answer is three things. And you'll see this in the answer of question and answer one. Um, first, the greatness of my sin and misery. Second, how I am redeemed from all my sins and misery. Third, how I'm to be thankful to God for such redemption. And the way we learn this is a helpful um, little slogan type thing, I guess, is either the steps of sin, salvation, and service, or guilt, grace, and gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's really the emphasis with the gospel. We need to make sure that people know that they are in need of a Savior, that they are sinful people. Um, another helpful tool that Carson and I have used throughout the years, um, acting like we're so old, but <laughs> but yeah, is the Ro- what is called the Romans Road to Salvation. Basically, it takes you through the Book of Romans and it shows you exactly that. Um, I'm we'll have a link to this in the description, but. Um, I'll just go through it quickly right now. Um, everyone needs a salvation. Everyone needs salvation because we all have sinned. Romans three ten to twelve and twenty three say, um, "No one is righteous, not even one. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. All have turned away. All have become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard." And Sorry, Carson has something to say. Yeah, so even in this step, acknowledging the sin, um, we must also acknowledge that we ourselves are sinful. Um, It's really easy in our evangelistic efforts to kind of distance ourselves from the unbeliever and draw that sharp line, but something that's really crucial to remember is that we were once in their place, and the only reason that we are doing this evangelism is out of service to out of service to God for what he has done. Um, so it's important to also show them that you aren't perfect. You're also a sinner who has been saved by grace. That's the only difference between you and them. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like Carson was saying, right, the the price and consequence of sin, um, it is death. And Romans 6 verse 23 says that. For the wages of sin is death. But the three free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, moving on from that, and Christ died for our sins. So the price is paid f- 
for our sins through Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. We receive salvation and eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 9 and 10 and 13 say, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is confessing with your mouth that you are saved. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then finally, salvation through Jesus Christ brings us into a relationship of peace with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Romans 8.1, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And then Romans 8.38 and 39, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Um, and then... And after following this framework and presenting the gospel, um, where we go from here is we simply call them to repentance. Um, we can... I guess we could use an example of our own testimony here of how we were once in their position and how we were also called to repentance and we repented by the grace of God and he saved us and we, we call them to do likewise. Um, we call them to um, repentance. We can say a prayer with them even. Uh, something Ray Comfort does a lot is he'll pray with them at the end of his interactions before they part ways. Um, and that's something we can also do. Uh, yeah, and um, going back to a little bit earlier in the podcast when we were talking about like fears of uh, evangelism because we understand that this can be a very difficult thing, right? We know that evangelism is not always the easiest task, especially with the current culture that we live in. Right? And God says that we will be hated. Um, something that helps with this is building a culture of evangelism within our church. Well, that's something straight out of Max Stiles' book as well. Um, and, and yeah, so going, it doesn't necessarily have to start with the whole church going out doing evangelism together. And it may not ever come to that, but having this culture of wanting to always spread the gospel and working together in that effort. Um, like, just as an example, look at Carson and I. Um, Carson's definitely more knowledgeable when it comes to the, um, the Bible and the depths of theology, right? Whereas I'm, not to say that Carson's... He's extroverted. Yes, Carson's more of an introvert, and I'm more an extrovert, right? And Carson can kind of sometimes go over people's heads. So I, I can take what he says and basically provide it in a way that's understandable and not the way Carson presents it. This is true. Thanks, Brett. <laughs> I can always count on you.
<laughs> but yeah, building that culture of where we lean on each other and we um, help each other to present the gospel so that we can present the gospel in a way that is truthful, not twisting it. And from there, we leave it to the Holy Spirit, right? And uh, Carson, do you have any concluding thoughts besides that? No, I think you covered most of it. All right, and uh, just before we conclude, we'd like to give you some resources, point in some direction where um, you can get some resources and some guidance. Uh, Ligonier Ministries, as always, is a good way. Um, the Sovereignty of God and Evangelism by J.I. Packer. Um, Evangelism by Max Stiles. Um, Living Waters by the Living Waters Ministry is a great place to look. Um, that's all the resources I have. Karsten, if you want to go for it. Um, yeah, I just have a few to add. Um, Defending Your Faith by R.C. Sproul is a great one. It's more apologetics focused, but there's a lot of overlap, as we mentioned. Um, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney is also a good resource. Um, today's Evangelism, Its Message and Its Methods by Ernest Reisinger is also good. And then A Guide to Evangelism by Dan DeWitt is another option for you there. And so just to conclude, um, in your own efforts to evangelize, do not lose heart. Um, and remember the promises of 1 Peter um, 2 verse 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so just to wrap up, I want to read again the words from Matthew 28, um, specifically 1820 um, of the Great Commission. Um, Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Awesome. That concludes the episode on evangelism. So, just some concluding thoughts from myself. Um, like As always, we like to keep the conversation going, through our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook. We also just introduced our YouTube channel. So go check it out there. Mm -hmm. Subscribe. Subscribe. All right. Subscribe. <laughs> Tell your friends. And that concludes the second episode. See you next time.